As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Remove the feathers, broil it on 475, Goya seasoning soaked in orange juice works best. That's the crow I got to eat today, Carlos Ledo. Listen, man, um, I think this happens to you because you ended up going with a guy from Texas A&M for this pregame breakdown, and and it, it went too heavy. You guys went too hard, and, and you know... When you get led astray, Manny, you're you're easily you're easily influenced by these guys, Manny. And this is what I'm here for. I'm here to keep you in check. I'm here to keep you grounded. I'm not only uh, you know a part-time co-host. I'm a friend, Manny. I'm here for you. I support you. But you you got led astray. You got led down the wrong path. You're like Little Red Riding Hood. She went down the wrong path, right, and ran into the wolf. And and this is what happens today. So this is what happens when you don't have me on the show to counterbalance some of your negativity and give you a little bit different perspective and analysis. Well, listen, I, I, I was thinking of actually bringing on Mr. 15-0, and 0, Kelvin Harris, because people said I'm far too negative on the Canes. And I thought, I don't know, man, that's a little bit too sweet for my taste to bring Kelvin on after, uh, yeah, yeah. after this like, win. Uh, I, don't, I don't want people thinking 15-0 and 0 crazy. You're going from extremely bitter on one end and then bringing on Willie Walker into Chocolate Factory. <laughs> hey, congratulations to Mario Cristobal and the Hurricanes for beating Texas A&M 48-33. to 33. Impressive week two win for Miami. Uh, I didn't think they'd get blown out. I was worried that if they didn't show up on defense, that could happen. I thought it would be a 7-10 to 10 point game with Texas A&M winning, which is what I said on TV when I went on SEC Network, when I went on Series 6M, when I was talking about this team. I thought, okay, they're not ready to win a game like this yet. But I was wrong. And after they fell behind 10 nothing, Carlos, they really turned it up. And what impressed me beyond the offensive line holding back uh, Texas A&M's talented front, okay, uh, Tyler Van Dyke was sacked only twice, what really, really impressed me was how well the receivers played. I didn't think they had that in them. I didn't think uh, Xavier Restrepo was going to go for 126 yards, a career high. I didn't think uh, Jacoby George was going to create space in the passing game. But they did. They finally showed uh, that the receivers could step up, and that was a huge concern coming into this year for me. Yeah, I think what's what's ended up happening here is 
there's a lot of focus on Colby Young, right? You could see they wanted to rotate coverage over him and slow him down. And they felt like he's the guy they needed to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they did that, they allowed opportunities for other guys like Restrepo and, and, and Jacoby George to get to break free and make plays. And then they didn't even respect Isaiah Horton uh, on that go route. They just had him one-on-one, no safety help over the top. They figured their corner can handle it with no problem, and he just blew by the corner. All right. In case we didn't do introductions, I'll do it here. Uh, that's Carlos Lelo of the MIA All Day Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro from the Athletic Miami Hurricanes, beat writer, college football writer for the Athletic. Uh, Carlos, um, what do we take away from this win? What are the what are the big? And we're going to break down some of the positions and and look at some of the PFF numbers and discuss all of that. But for me, I wrote a column on Saturday night around nine o'clock uh, as I was sitting in the press box. How I think the biggest takeaway for Miami in this is. Now you sort of solidified your recruiting class. I don't think – I think now the floor for this team is 9-3, and three, right? Like I think they sh- – I, I said 7-5 and five before the season. I think the floor now should be 9-3. and three. I think the only three games that they're probably capable of losing at this point are North Carolina on the road because they've got to exercise those demons. Florida State on the road in Tallahassee because they're just a, a great team. And, and then Clemson, who is still the defending ACC champion. I know they don't look great right now, but it's still a game, a hurdle that Miami has to get over in my mind. So to me, the floor is 9-3. and three. I think 9-3 and three not only keeps this recruiting class intact, but it probably gets some more kids on board in 24 and in 25. So to me, that is the big takeaway from this. What is your big takeaway? My big takeaway, you know, first of all, you know, after the introductions, guys, I think we need to coin – a, a name for our show whenever I'm on. Yes. And I've been telling you this for the last three years, and I think it's a fantastic name. Navarro, the actual journalist, the guy who does all these national shows and is an incredible beat writer and has been doing this for 25 plus years and the nobody. The guy nobody knows. Nobody cares about. <laughs> that man he only brings on to have somebody else to talk to. This this needs to happen. Anyway, I think what I took away from this game is to me is that this coaching staff is much better than the one from last year. Okay. Um, I think aside from, you know, the game plan coming in, I think the halftime adjustments made not only this game, but against Miami of Ohio, where they in both second halves came out and took control of the game. The, this coaching staff is very self-aware. They are not the type of coaching staff that says, listen, my plan is right. You guys aren't executing and we're just going to stick with it until you get it right. On the contrary. They're looking at what's happening in real time. They're asking these players for feedback. You know, offensively, Tyler Van Dyke is talking to Shannon Dawson. Shannon Dawson sees what's happening. You know, uh, Lance Gidry's out there seeing what's working, what's not working defensively and making slight adjustments. Um, you know, at the beginning, he didn't bring that much pressure. Then he started adjusting, bringing pressure from different angles and making things happen. Trusting his back end a little bit more when he pressured. To me, these guys are, you know, they're aggressive, they're confident, and they're willing to make changes in game to give them the best chance to win. That, to me, is the biggest takeaway so far through two games and after this victory. And that goes a long way to helping you be successful as the season wears on. Because look at what happened. You're going to get punched in the mouth against good teams. You're going to have to face adversity. There could not have been a worse start to this game, okay, than, than, than what we've seen. And what happened when these kinds of things happened a season ago? You get Middle Tennessee. You get bum-rushed because of the turnovers early on. You get Duke. You get games where you just get blown out of the water and this team surrenders because there is no change in the plan. There is no adjustment. And I think in addition to that, I think these players really believe in these new systems, right? They believe in these coaches and this coaching staff. They feel confident in what it is they're doing. 
And something's changed in the way they're coaching these guys, right? Because they're playing confident, they're listening, they're responding, and they're not folding, which to me is huge. Right. Xavier Restrepo said the culture is at an all-time high. And I think really, since he got here, you have to agree with that. Because there, like you said, there is a, a level of confidence that these guys didn't have before. And, uh, you know, they, they didn't show it at the very beginning. They didn't show it. They looked a little scared in the very beginning when they fell behind 10 nothing, And I was worried. I thought, Carlos, here we go again. You and I were, were texting each other back and forth with Kelvin. We have our little text message thread during the game. And uh, I said to you guys, oh, boy, we're in trouble. Like, this is this is not <laughs> – this is not going to be a good day, which is what I feared. I feared, oh, man, they're going to get hit in the mouth and just not respond. And that was the complete opposite. Uh, they they showed up. And really, it was Tyler Van Dyke. I thought on that on his side of the ball, he took control of the game. When he hit uh, Xavier Shepo on that big 48-yard gain up the seam for the first first down of the game for Miami, I thought it really energized the bench. It really got people to start to believe. And so – you know, we've made a lot about Tyler, his uh, his AC joint sprain that he suffered last year, and then, you know, having the black tape on his finger. Is he going to be able to throw the football the way he needs to? Five touchdown passes in this game, career high. Uh, first Miami quarterback to do that against a ranked opponent ever, according to the Associated Press. So um, impressive performance by him. And when you look at the pro football focus numbers, right, in terms of how often he was pressured, which, again, this is a testament to the offensive line. He was sacked twice in this game. But – the reality is Texas A&M brought the blitz 12 times in this game. Tyler was eight for 12, 122 yards and three touchdowns when they blitzed him. When he was under pressure, which was really only seven times in this game, he was three of five, 103 yards and touchdowns. He didn't make any bad decisions with the football. And I think against a quality SEC opponent, because yes, Texas A&M may not be, uh, you know, conference champions this year. They may be an eight and four team. They're still the fourth most talented team in the country on paper, right? They still have a ridiculous roster. To perform that way, to have the confidence to throw the football way that way, throw it to your receivers, trust them to make plays, that was huge for Miami's entire season. And now I have the confidence to say they have the kind of offense they need to win nine or ten games this year. And we'll see on the defensive end, they had some injuries in this game that I thought were pretty big, right? They lost Branson Dean. They lost Akeem Mesidor, two of their starters on the defensive line. Mario Cristobal went on Joe Rose this morning, said that he's hopeful both of those guys will be back. That he thinks they will at some point this year. We'll see when that happens. Mark Fletcher, your, your big freshman running back, the guy that I projected to lead the team in rushing this year. Um, I, you know, talking through some back channels, I think he's going to be fine. He'll probably just miss Thursday's game. We'll see if he get him back for Temple. Uh, and then Cam Kitchens, of course, you know, um, your, your All-American safety gets carted off the field, stretchered off the field. Uh, but very encouraging signs with Cam. I don't think it's a serious injury. I think he will be back probably in a week or two uh, for Miami. So that's all good news. But still, I would say uh, A&M rolling up 33 points, threw for a lot of yards in this game. Like, you're going to need an offense to win in college football these days, especially when you play a team like Florida State. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And I think, listen, again, they had a bunch of short fields, right? Mm -hmm. Remember, they got a block punt. They got a muffed punt. And it put him right. It set up, a, set him up right in front of the goal line, basically both times. So, yes, they had thirty-three points, but they also had an easier way to get those thirty-three points than the Miami did. Miami had to have a lot of long drives, except for those two picks that they got. Um, so early on, it was a lot of short fields for A and M. I thought it was very encouraging the way the offensive line blocked. Like you said, I think PFF had Texas A and M down for nine pressures, um, two sacks, which is not a great percentage, but at the same time, only giving up nine pressures facing that defensive line and the pressure that was coming in the second half. I think was fantastic. 
I think, uh, it, you know, my podcast, I said, if, if you give Tyler Van Dyke the opportunity to, you know, if he's protected, he's going to make plays. And we've seen that he's a different guy when he's, when he's got a clean pocket. Um, on top of that, you know, credit to Kevin Beard, whatever he's done with this receiving core to not only have them improve, there were some drops. There's still a little bit of a little loss of focus there a couple of times throughout the game where you had a couple of drops, one by Colby Young. And I, I forget who the other ones might've been Kobe George, but the fact that they are not only playing well, but also that Tyler Van Dyke is trusting them, which is a huge difference compared yeah. to last year. Remember last year's AM game, he was he did not feel comfortable. He did not know who to go to with the football. And then he eventually found Colby Young later in the season. That became his security blanket to make big plays for him. Uh, yeah. But here he's spreading the ball around and he's doing it without a tight end in the passing game, which is also extremely impressive. Um, I said in my podcast, this is why you guys should listen to me, man. I'm gonna tell you. Yes, right now. please listen to I, Carlos. I said that whoever this game wasn't going to be about whoever won the rushing attack, whoever rushed from where I was, it was going to be the team who ended up making the most plays in the vertical passing game was going to win this game. And I will give you the statistics right now. So passing plays over 20 yards, Texas A&M was one of four for 44 yards. Connor Wegman only connected on one pass for 44 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Passes of over 20 yards downfield, Tyler Van Dyke, two of three, 116 yards, Two touchdowns, no interceptions. That's the game. The The difference was Miami had a concern. I had a concern. We both had a concern that these corners were not going to be able to contain, you know, Stewart. They were not going to play Noah Thomas, you know, uh, Anaya Smith. They have a lot of speed, a lot of size on the outside. We thought it was going to be an issue for Miami's corners. And then on the flip side of that, I felt that AM's corners were going to come up and try and press and knock Miami out of their, their passing game, their quick scheme, because of what they saw against Miami, Ohio, Miami, Ohio basically playing off and allowing the Hurricanes to get whatever they wanted underneath. And I felt AM was going to try and stop that. And the opportunities presented itself, the Hurricanes executed, AM did not. Um, obviously, I still have a few concerns. I still think, you know, there was a couple blown coverages early in the game, which they, they handled in the second half. I think the the offensive line did a great job in the pass blocking. I think they still have a ways to go in terms of run blocking. I think AM. Stuff the run for the most part. We had some okay runs. We busted a few here and there, but for the most part, it, it didn't look as good as it did against Miami, Ohio. And that's to be expected against a better opponent. So there's a ways to go there in terms of the run game. Um, and I said before the season started, my main concern would be injuries on the back end to the safety spot. Hopefully, Cam Kitchens, he's okay. You know, forget about coming back and playing football. I just want him to be okay, uh, healthy, be able to just live a normal life, which so far it sounds like that's the case. And if he's able to play ball again, great. If not, then listen, man, as long as the kid's healthy for the rest of his life, that's all that matters. Um, I do believe, you know, the one place where they could sustain injuries, and I said that on the pod also, was defensive line. They are deep enough there where they can make some of this stuff up. Mesidor's a great player, but you have enough guys on the edge that you can replace him with. The one injury, Brandon Dean, to me, is a little bit of a problem, but they just got this guy from Alabama who hopefully can plug in and take his snaps. And I think, you know, Jared Harrison Hunt needs more snaps anyway. I think he played a really good game. I don't think the kid from Alabama is going to be available this year. He needs a waiver to be able to play. So that's I'll give it to him. You'll give it to him as long as you're. You can figure it out. I mean, I think North Carolina is <laughs> trying to get one for uh, Tez Walker. We'll see if they're able to get uh, that receiver. Yeah, they've been denied for like the fifteenth time. <laughs> um, we will see what kind of legal action they take. But look, uh, I, I think you know the defensive line. You, you saw the difference without Mesador and Dean in the second half. A&M was able to throw the ball a little bit easier. The pressure wasn't getting there as often. Um, you know, I think once Miami got ahead by, by uh, you know, more than a touchdown, there was a little bit more of a comfort level, right? Like the defense could relax a little bit more. 
Um, but look, they're going to face good quarterbacks uh, and they're going to face good receivers down the road. And it's, it's, it is going to get tougher. Mario Cristobal said that. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see how these guys respond. But Jaden Davis to me is, has been the absolute standout on yeah. defense for Miami in terms of new guys that you feel an impact with. He played 84 snaps in this game. Uh, Daryl Porter started opposite him, played 72 snaps. Um, according to pro football focus, the two highest rated defensive players in the game were those two guys. Uh, Cam Kitchens was third to Corey Couch was fourth. And, and uh, Corey Jay- Flag played a really good game. Yeah, Corey Flag was Johnny on the spot. He played 35 snaps in this game. Um, if you look at it just from a snap perspective, uh, Ruben Bain, the true freshman, 58 snaps. That's a lot of work for him. You know, he's adjusting to the college game, facing guys that weigh just as much as he does or more. Uh, Jared Harrison Hunt came off the bench, paid 48 snaps. Yeah. Uh, with the injury, um, you know, to to uh, Branson Dean. So we'll see what happens going forward, Carlos. But um, as I get a bunch of alerts here on my on my computer uh, as far as health. But I think the next couple of weeks they can take it easy. Right. I mean, you've got a road yeah. game at Temple who's not very good after this week's uh, short turnaround against Bethune Cookman. And then you have the Georgia Tech ACC home opener before you have to go to Carolina. So uh, to me, this is a team that. You know, I'm not going to say that I want to see them coast, right? Like as a Miami fan, I'm sure you don't want to see them coast, but I think you definitely want to see some backups get in the game and you want to see some guys heal. I think that's the, those are sort of the main points. Um, all right, Carlos, uh, Miami picked up a big commitment uh, last night. Not only did they get back into the AP uh, top 25 poll at number 22, but they picked up Wade and Charles, who is a top 2025 receiver. And I think that's really important for them because you had over 100 recruits in attendance. Uh, for this game, I, uh, I I saw the list. There's a, a large number of, of really, really good players, including Armando Blunt, who's one of the top 2025 defensive linemen in the country. Uh, I think he's number five overall as far as like the, the complete rankings. Uh, he he was tweeting out after the game how excited he was with the atmosphere. I know that uh, we were, you know, I talked about this on the podcast last time. Hey, well, I wonder how many tickets Miami's going to sell. They sold 48,000, which there were some sections that were empty in the upper deck. And, you know, but the place was loud and those fans, I thought, made an influence in the game. They, they forced Texas A&M to call some timeouts, um, you know, as far as the extracurricular stuff. That's kind of what I got off of this game was, hey, the fans showed up and they were loud. Yeah. Yeah. You could hear it through the TV all over, through uh, most of the game. I play music anyway. That's my little routine. But um, listen, I, I think the players looked excited. They looked fired up. I, it was obvious uh, that there were times where A&M had a couple false starts because of the crowd noise. You know, it it this this is never going to be the best uh, attendance in terms of you know fan bases across college football. We're never going to be number one in that sense. But when we do show up, we show up loud, we show up aggressive, and, and we let ourselves be known. So I think the the fan base did a really good job with that uh, on Saturday. You know, I think the other thing is these these recruits they're seeing the change, like you said, in the culture. They're seeing the change on the field. And it's interesting to me that they landed a receiver recruit, a top 100 receiver recruit so early in the season because now they're seeing the change in the offensive system. So far, they've had an issue landing big-time receiver recruits, guys they really targeted and wanted. Um, But, you know, now they got JoJo Trader. They've picked up uh, this new new commitment. You know, and who knows? Maybe Jeremiah Smith makes a change of heart down the road if if the Hurricanes are are good enough. They they end up being 10 and 2, and that offense continues to hum the way it is and looks the way it is with the ball being spread around all over the field. Maybe it's something for him to consider. Yeah. Um, I want to get to our mailbag questions because I know some fans uh, certainly have been ripping me on the podcast and in my (laughs) stories and social media all the time. I'm too negative. 
look, man, I I I want to explain myself once again. And some people get it. It's not all of them. Um, this program's been through a lot in the last 20 years. Okay. And five and seven last year was as ugly as I've seen it. Mario Cristobal had to make changes. Uh, he did. He went out and he hired good coordinators. It was obvious, obviously, that uh, Shannon Dawson was the right hire for Tyler Van Dyke and the and the players that they have. I thought he called a terrific game, especially in the red zone, which yeah. I, you know, that that was really, really important for Miami. Um, but the reality is, getting back to my point, this program had a lot to prove. And I said seven and five before the season because I didn't see the heart last year. On Saturday, we finally saw the heart. We saw it's real. It's one thing to go out and beat Miami of Ohio and, and play confident against a team that you have more talent than. It's another thing to go out and beat a team that's more talented than you on paper after you fall behind 10 nothing. And so to me, for all the fans who were giving me shit because I said they were going to go 7-5, and five, go screw yourself. This has been a bad program for many, many years. And we needed to see change. And this seems like real change. And congratulations to Mario Cristobal for doing it. I'm sorry if I didn't believe it. I'm sorry if I had to see it before it actually happened. But we saw it Saturday. And now we can move forward. Listen, there's a, there's, there's a famous line in the movie Pulp Fiction where the wolf comes into the room. Yeah. Everybody's all excited because they've cleaned up the body and everything's been taken care of. And he says, let's not start sucking eight, uh, yeah. things yet, gentlemen. Yeah. We got a lot of work to do. So we got a lot of work to do. Let's not just uh, let's not start patting each other on the back just yet. You know, this reminds me of beating Florida uh, under Al Golden yeah. early in the season. This reminds me of other wins that have happened early in the season against the top 25 team. I thought they would be eight and four this year because I didn't believe just yet. I need to see more. Um, I still think eight and four, nine and three. I think nine and three is more possible now. I think ten and two is, po you know, within the realm of possibility as well now if they continue on this track. But I still need to see more. The, the one thing about college football is that people don't get, especially when you don't have overwhelming talent. When you're not in Alabama, when you're not a Clemson, uh, when you're not in Ohio State, when you're not a Georgia, matchups matter. And when you get a bad matchup against a team that may be a little bit inferior than you are in terms of talent. And they match up better in certain spots where your where their strengths are your weaknesses. That makes a difference. And then you're going to be in a dogfight against a team that you didn't anticipate. You know, it might be a, a team like NC State. Who knows? Um, there's still teams on this on the schedule that can be dangerous to the Hurricanes. I'm not predicting blowout wins the rest of the season. There's going to be things that happens. You have to account for injuries. You have to account for different things that happen. You don't know what's going to happen throughout the course of the season. This is not the 2001 Hurricanes. These are not the national title Hurricanes of the 80s. This is a good team, and I'm so happy that we're seeing a difference on the field. But we still have a long way to go. They still got to clean up the penalties. They still got to clean up the discipline. They've got to be a little bit better in certain areas. But it's a good, encouraging sign, and it's great to be happy. And for those of people who are pissed off that, you know, you predicted 7-5, hey, it is what it is, man. At the end of the day, you have 20 years of data to back you up. Um, although I believe they were going to be a little bit better than you anticipated. See, I'm throwing that in there so I don't get as much yeah, heat in the comments. Exactly. Yeah. I've got to cover my ass. But it's it's understandable. I still want to see more from these guys and see what, see what they do. It's well, a long season, still 10, 10 games left. It's too early to start patting ourselves on the back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would say this too. There are a few injuries away from being right back where I thought they could be, which was seven and five, yeah. right? Like it, 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 I saw improvement. I would, I was expecting improvement. I thought seven and five would be a good season. Eight and four would be a really good season after what they went through last year. But listen, they're, they're ahead of the curve. And a lot of that has to do with the coaching, as you mentioned previously. Um, let's get to the mailbag. Cause we got a lot of them here. This one is from uh, GD junior or junior 308 G on Twitter. Do you think this victory accelerates the Miami climb back to national relevancy? I don't know that it accelerates it. I think it's a step in the right direction, like I just said. I think it's it's another rung on the ladder they're climbing, beating a top 25 team, which, by the way, when Mario Cristobal was hired, uh, did you anticipate it taking two years to get the first win against a top 25 team? Yeah. I mean, it, it, <laughs> it, 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 it's happened. There's been years where they don't have any wins against top 25 teams in the last 20 years. So, but I'm saying, it, I think the fan base that would they would not have that in the uh, the crystal ball the bingo game. No, yeah. they wouldn't have. And and I would say this too. Look, first win over an SEC team in 10 years, and they played some bad SEC teams along the way. Let's not forget they lost to South Carolina in a bowl game. Uh, there were some other SEC teams besides Texas A&M last year that they lost to. You know, Texas A&M was five and seven. So. This is a this is a monumental step in terms of just beating teams that are technically more talented than you. Like it it hasn't happened very often around here. Uh, Notre Dame probably 2017, right? You would say that was a team that was yeah. on paper more talented than Miami. Um, again, it, it's been rare. Whereas when you and I were growing up in this city, it happened all the time, right? Like people discounted yeah. my oh they're playing such and such number one. They're playing Oklahoma this week. 
they go out there and kick their ass. Oh, my God, they're playing Penn State this week. Look at Penn State. But they go out and kick their ass. So it's it's a different era, and and this is this is a time where I get it. A cocky Miami Hurricane fan is back, and that's great. Just like when when a cocky Miami Heat fan is around or cocky Dolphins fan is around, it's fun to be in a city like that. Um, but this is significant. It's it really has been a while since they've and had cocky a cocky inter Miami fan, baby. Go messy. Oh yeah, that's true. I can't forget about the soccer fans. Same uh, same guy. This is from uh, GD Junior. Do you think this victory has a significant impact on Miami's recruiting for this year? Yes, I do. I think this helps them keep a lot of guys. I said that a little while ago. I think uh, anybody who you were nervous about, the Chance Robinsons of the world, who took trips to Florida and Penn State, uh, the JoJo Traders, who you know is, continues to be pursued, the Zaquan Pattersons, this is what they wanted to see. I asked. That's the question I asked James Williams after the game. I said, hey, you were a five-star recruit. What do you think this win means for Miami? You know, for the recruits, the guys that are sitting out there, he goes, we just wanted to see this team win. Right. Like that's for years what these guys wanted to see. They wanted to see them come through and deliver so they could get excited about it. Hey, I'm going to program that wins these kind of games, you know. And so to me, yes, there's no doubt there'll be an improvement. Yeah. And I think not even not just in the uh, the high school recruiting battle. I think this helps with the portal battle as well. Yeah. Remember, there's a bunch of guys on that A&M roster that are from South Florida. And if they see that program be- begin to decline, disintegrate. And they just got their asses kicked by their hometown team. They're probably saying, you know what? That portal is looking pretty good. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Carlos. Um, this is from Tyler Overly, uh, T. Overly on Twitter. Uh, if we play the rest of the season like we did Saturday, thoughts on us winning 10-11 games. Clemson looks beatable. It's a home game. And if we lock down FSU's receivers, do you think we stand a puncher's chance? Thoughts? Listen, that's a lot of what-ifs. That's like uh, somebody on Twitter, I think it was Corey Lowe, my man told me, or somebody else, I forget, asked me, you know, what? imagine what the score would have been if not for, you know, the penalties and the muff punt and the short fields and the block. And I'm like, listen, that's football, man. Imagine what what, what the game would have looked like if Rashard Smith doesn't return a kickoff or a touchdown. Or they, Those or aren't, or they or, call the holding penalty on that play, by the way. Right. Or there's like, rare occurrences, like, things that occur. Yeah throughout the course of a game that they, you know, they balance themselves out. That's football. Things happen throughout the course of the game that each team needs to overcome. And, and, and that's when you get the end result, you know, to me, I still think Florida state to me is the class of the ACC. I think they are the best team in the conference. Right. Now. Um, it's going to be very difficult to beat them on the road with, with the way they uh, are currently constructed to me. Like I said, matchups matter. I think their offensive line uh, can handle our defensive line. I think they have a very good offensive line. I think they're able to run the football, and Jordan Travis has taken a step forward as a passer to me. He's very dangerous in the pocket, and I think that was going to be an issue to me with with AM this weekend was the athleticism of Wegman, and he picked up first downs with his legs a couple times, scored the first touchdown with his legs, and there's going to be more athletic quarterbacks that the Hurricanes face down the road, and if they're they're in which they're going to be in a lot of man coverage, they're going to be in a lot of pressure situations with their backs turned to the quarterback, and if they can't close on that quickly or find a way to keep their rush lanes. And keep that quarterback in the pocket or at least get him down early, it's going to be a problem. And Jordan Travis presents that kind of a problem. So Florida State, to me, is going to be very difficult to beat, as much as I hate to say that because I hate the Seminoles. Um, Clemson, to me, is still Clemson. They still have a, a ton of talent on that roster. They're still trying to figure things out. They can make adjustments throughout the course of the season that gets them back in position to win just because they have the amount of talent to do so. They have a loaded roster. Um, North Carolina has probably, if not the best, one of the best quarterbacks, probably the third best quarterback in the country maybe. And Drake May, um, I thought they'd struggle because they were missing Phil Longo, put up another 40 spot against App State. It is App State. But uh, who knows how that game turns out because I think their defense is better than I anticipated, and I think you anticipated as well. 
And, you know, shout out to App State, almost beating North Carolina again for a second year in a row, putting up 33 points. Good job, Frank Ponce. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how things are going to play out. I think it's one of these things where you should take each game and enjoy it as it comes. You know, whatever happens, happens. Just enjoy the moment and don't try and set ex- expectations for what the season might end up being. Because if you start setting that bar too high, you're going to end up with a 9-3 season and end up disappointed. And that's not what you want to do, man. Enjoy the 9-3. Enjoy each win. Because we were 5-7 and seven a year ago. We've been averaging 7-5 and five for a long time. 9-3 and three sounds a hell of a lot better than what we've seen. I agree. I think I think Miami fans have to look at this as Mario Cristobal framed it afterward and on the radio. This is a step forward. Uh, this is what you wanted to see in year two. Uh, you didn't want to see seven and five. You wanted to see nine and three, right? Like yeah. that's what the recruits want to see. And I think they're on a path towards that. They've just got to stay healthy. And I'll say this, you know, we can sit here and play the what if game. Uh, if Miami had to play Florida State this week on Saturday, would they really be in a position to win that game, even if they were playing at home without, let's say, Cam Kitchens, without, uh, you know, uh, Branson Dean or without a Mark Fletcher or without uh, Key Messler? No, they need they're going to need to be fully healthy for that game. And that game is November, what somewhere in November, right? First or second weekend in November yeah. towards the end of the year. Um, it's the last month of the season in their place, like. I get it. Get excited if you're a Miami fan, but stay within reason and understand what, what you have here. And, and it's not because I'm, I love Florida state. Like Miami fans are like, you're such a Florida state homer. Oh my God. Uh, no, Mike Norvell's in his fourth year, dude. Like he did his job. He did a great job with the transfer portal and he did a good job recruiting. He's got enough. He's got enough recruits. Okay. That, that he's got on that roster that he picked that have helped that team. And, and, and so, I'll say this Saturday's performance makes me feel better going into that Florida state game. No, yes. I, I don't think they're going to get embarrassed. And I was worried that that would be the case. I think they can hang with Florida State. And it's a rivalry game. You never know. Miami goes in there. They create turnovers. They 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 get FSU feeling too cocky or too too excited about themselves. And they pull the upset. Who's who's to say that couldn't happen? I think it's possible. I just, you know, you're asking me, what do I give a puncher's chance? Sure, I give a puncher's chance. Uh, but, you know, we're also a long way off. And we have no idea what kind of injury situation either team is going to be in by then. So that's why all this stuff, these predictions, these what do you think, it's so hard to do because injuries are so – they just happen so much in football. You don't know who's going to be healthy by the time that game, that game is played. Yeah, and, and with the puncher's chance, I think we've gone from being glass Joe against Florida State coming into the season to maybe being a piston Honda, giving you yeah. a little punch-out reference. Maybe we, we, we've gone up the scale a little bit. Yes. All right, this is from uh, Samuel Dumarquet on Twitter. How has your outlook changed after watching the game and going against uh, our Canes? Has your outlook changed for the season after watching North Carolina and Clemson struggle, the Canes success, uh, and all the Canes success Saturday? Um, he also wants an injury report. How do you feel about our cornerback room moving forward? Uh, my outlook, ha- I mean, look, it's it, after two weeks, what you can say about this Miami team is that they have an offense that can score points. Okay, they have Tyler Van Dyke. The, the changes, the, like you said, Carlos, the hires were the right hires, right? Jaden Davis looks like a number one cornerback right now. He wasn't yep. that guy at, at at Oklahoma. Right now in the ACC through two games, he looks like a number one corner. But as far as my outlook on Clemson and North Carolina, look, I, I'm not going to change my stance on Clemson. I picked them to win the ACC this year uh, because they've won it seven of the last eight years. And Dabo Sweeney still has a talented roster, still has a five-star quarterback on his team, still has – uh, some talent all over the roster. Like that's not going to be an easy game. And Carolina, as we as we've mentioned, um, Carlos, uh, they still have Drake May. As long as he's in that lineup, it's a tough game to win. Listen, Clemson struggled early in the season last year. They had to battle loss too. 
and they beat the crap out of us last season. Uh, North Carolina, same thing last year against App State, almost lost, close game, on the road. Came in here, uh, or actually, or at home, yeah. And uh, we still lost to them. So I, I, I think take everything with a grain of salt. Just because teams, like I said, matchups matter because teams mm-hmm. struggle against one team does not mean that is going to automatically translate over to the next. And careful using results, you know, well, we beat this team and they lost to them or they played them close, so we should beat them. The transitive property does not exist in college football, guys. That's just a math thing, all right? Dropping a little knowledge on you there. There you go. Um, this is from Andrew V underscore 17. Has there been any player or position group that have exceeded your expectations? Any that underwhelmed? Cough, cough, left tackle. <laughs> Um, I would say obviously Jaden Davis to me is the one, right? Like the yeah. one dude, like that you can signify as just one person. I say position group that succeeded receivers. I didn't, I was worried about receivers, you know? I mean, there was every reason to be worried about them collectively, what they did on Saturday. Um, to see, you know, listen, <clears throat> how long are we talking about Xavier Strip and what a great relationship he, he had one 100 yard game in his career before Saturday? One, yep. Like you have to put it on paper at a certain point. It's not just, hey, look at he's great in practice. You know, these these green tree all-stars, these Don Bailey all-stars, like enough of that. Like go out on the field and do it on Saturday. And he did it. Yeah, and we've seen a lot from Jacoby George in flashes. Uh he, mm-hmm. he stepped up Saturday. He still has his moments where he just, you know, to me he's like the DJ Ivy of the offense. I said that in a text thread. He has moments where he just, you know, he loses his mind. He's not out there. He's not, you could see he's not mentally there. For whatever reason, even on the touchdown, the long touchdown, he caught the ball in between those two defenders, got hit, and you could see he expected to fall down. Yeah. And he was just standing there for a second. He was, was like, oh, was I'm stunned. still up. Let me keep running. Okay. <laughs> so he was like startled. So, yeah. I mean, there's a long way to go, man. And you know what? Talking about uh, positions that are struggling, I think I agree with your assessment, Jaden Davis. To me, Corey Flagg's performance on Saturday was a surprise. Um, I, I think, you know, I love what Matt Lee's bringing at center. He's been a huge addition. And I said before the season started, my concern was the tackle spot with Jalen Rivers, a left tackle. Um, you know, Francis Maugo is struggling at right tackle as well. You know, Jalen Rivers, uh, his pass blocking grade this Saturday was 54.8. Maugo's was 55.0. Not great. You know, it's below average. They both struggled a little bit. And I think as the season wears on, you know, do you make a change? Do you keep it? Or hopefully they improve. Like I said, I don't think Jalen Rivers is necessary, uh, necessarily a left tackle, but Inez Cooper is playing well at, at that right guard spot. So it's it's tough to to make that kind of a move now. Listen, man, they were facing some aliens. Like, I don't care. Like, this, this is one of the best defensive lines they're going to face. This is a Clemson FSU caliber defensive line in terms of talent, like in terms of you know, grade A meat type of uh, type of thing. And and in the end, Maui Goa was flagged three times for holding. That affected his PFF grade. Um, and then, you know, you and I agree. I think Jalen Rivers is an interior lineman. You know, obviously the coaching staff feels different. Alex Mirabal says he's a real left tackle. Uh, he graded out 89th in pass, pass blocking, according to um, PFF. So I'm looking at the score right here. Um, so, you know, in the end, uh, they did their jobs, dude. Tyler was only sacked twice and, and, you know, it against this defensive line. I don't know. Last year, how many sacks do you think this offensive line gives up in this game? Seven, eight, you know, does Tyler have any time to throw the football? Probably not. They were pockets. There were, there were opportunity to make plays and that's because he got the protection he needed. So, um, all right, let's keep moving on to the questions. Um, any news on Jaleel Skinner? Yeah, he's still skinny. <laughs> he's still not getting any work. 
you know, listen, there's going to be guys that leave the program, guys. Like, there are people on this team that just aren't playing because Mario doesn't think they can play. Or, they, or they're not doing what they need to do in practice to earn snaps. Uh, Cyrus Moss is one of them, right? I mean, Cyrus Moss right out on the field, Carlos. And again, I'm, I'm not putting on my haterade here, guys. I'm not doing this to be a dick. I'm just saying this because it's the truth. I saw Cyrus Moss run on the field, and I thought, is that one of those fans who dresses up in the full uniform and run and like got into the group with them? Because he's so thin. He is very, very thin. And, you know, he's trying. He's trying to put on weight. Jason Taylor's trying to help the kid. But you can't play him if he's just not physically in the position to do it. So there's guys that just listen. Recruiting mistakes happen, um, and and sometimes guys are out of the rotation because they just they're not your best. And and I want as a fan, you you want your coach to play the best players. Yeah, and you listen. You can't. The, the one thing that's the most difficult to project uh, during the recruiting process is how much a guy is going to be able to fill out and hold weight. Um, a guy might have a big frame, but they might just have a body, you know, their biological makeup. Maybe they just can't hold weight. They can't get bigger. They have a certain ceiling. Their body will not allow them to surpass. And that, that seems to be happening with, with Cyrus Moss and Jaleel Skinner, you know, hopefully maybe against Bethune Cookman Skinner makes some oh, plays. They'll, and, they'll play in that game for sure. They'll probably and, and earns an opportunity well. to maybe get yeah. some snaps against real teams, because I think Jaleel Skinner can be a, a game changer at tight end for them. But Riley Williams right now is getting all the, the backup snaps and uh, hopefully Arroyo comes back soon and can make an impact. But I think that's the one deficiency on offense right now is the tight end spot in the passing game. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Royal. They're bringing them back slowly, clearly. Uh, this is from Nordy Kane at Gokus Barbell. Okay, this is a great name on Twitter. If Dawson Guidry continue to call great games, how long do you expect Mario will be able to keep them on staff? Well, usually coordinators don't get jobs, okay, at, at better places or head coaching jobs, right, which is a step up uh, until you win a whole bunch of games. So until this team wins 10, 11, 12 games, I would say Mario should be able to keep them going into next year. That doesn't mean somebody won't come after Shannon Dawson if this offense averages 40 points a game and plays really well the rest of the year. Uh, but my point here is what are your expectations, right? Like, what do you, like, Carlos, these are guys that were, you know, Shannon Dawson was basically an assistant uh, as far as running the offense at Houston and at West Virginia, he really this is this is his first opportunity to really show his stuff. I think where he's really in control of the offense. Um, and then on the defensive side of the ball, Lance Gidry was at Marshall. Um, I think he he went to Tulane briefly, right, for a, a cup of coffee. Like he's he hasn't been able to get hired by Power Five schools because of some issues in his past. So, like, yes, they'll get phone calls, but I I think Miami now this Miami the one that spends money not the old Miami, the one that pays its assistant coaches, should be able to hold on to them for a couple of years. But And I think it's also in their best interest if this program continues to ascend to stay on for at least three years, right? Because yeah. the better they get and the better they look, the better the job they'll be able to land. Because mm -hmm. let's say coming off the season, you go nine and three, yeah, the offense looks great. Where's where's Lance Kidry going to end up? Where's uh, you know Dawson going to end up? They're going to end up at a lower uh, non-power non five school, probably coming off a losing season that they're going to have to rebuild. Whereas if they keep on going, they may end up at a program that's been traditionally better than what they were coming off of a couple bad seasons. That's easier to rebuild and easier to plug and play in a power five conference, which then makes more sense. Yeah. This is from Mickey C MJC Miami. Are you still going to pick against Miami until they win a national championship? I said that last year, uh, this year I will continue to pick against them when they play in a big game until they keep winning them. How's that? Is that all right, Mickey C can I keep, can I keep doing that for you? 
Uh, all right, last one from Kane Finn. Are you buying Carlos Croquetas and a Cafe con Leche at least? I don't know. Uh, he wouldn't let me buy it for him today, guys. He said he's uh, doing this intermittent fasting. We're trying uh, to. Listen, it, it's probably not going to work out. But whatever. Day one, here we go. Let's see what happens. I'm already starving. It's 1045, and this this fast is about to break. <laughs> Carlos, thank you for coming on and doing another episode with me. We were not even going to break down the Bethune-Cookman game because we know, hey, listen, Miami should play a lot of guys in this game. Uh, we don't need to sit here and do any scouting reports or talk about that. They'll be te- they'll play Temple the following week in Philadelphia, and then it's home for Georgia Tech and the ACC opener. So there'll be plenty of coverage here on the Wide Ride Podcast. Make sure you subscribe here and to Carlos's podcast, the MIA All Day Pod. And if you get a chance, go over to theathletic.com, buy a subscription. I think they're still only a dollar right now for the for the first yeah. uh, month of the season. So. Uh, sign up, support me, support uh, Carlos over at the MIA All Day Podcast. We appreciate you listening. I am not going to physically eat crow in front of anybody. In fact, I can't eat. I started new medication, Carlos. I'm on this new Ozempic stuff for my diabetes. And uh, and so I'm very nauseous today. If you were to stick a crow in my face at 475 degrees, I'd probably puke. So I'm not going to do that. But I did figuratively on the show apologize to Miami fans for not picking them against Texas A&M. We're in a, in a couple of weeks. We're gonna see a slimmed down, uh, better looking Manny. He's gonna be he's gonna be tanned. He's gonna be ripped. He's gonna oh, look like that's a, pressure now, man. A WWE superstar. So get ready. I think the other thing we should do is, hey, if you have any uh, any sort of suggestions for us in terms of a topic we can cover on the pod, since we have you know a couple open weeks basically coming up, something you want to hear us talk about aside from the game itself, let us know. We'll tackle it. Yes. Or I'll, maybe I'll tackle it on my own pod if Manny doesn't feel like doing. No, listen, hey, uh, make sure you subscribe to Carlos's pod, MIA All Day. Find it. Listen to him. He's obviously a lot smarter than me. He knew this was going to happen. He knew Miami was going to be Texas A&M. I didn't. So kudos for that. Thanks for coming on, Carlos. No problem. Peace. This all about the you.